With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of the Jaguar Report podcast. I'm your host, John Shipley, joined by my co-host, Gus Logue. Gus, there's been a lot of Jaguar stuff going on in the last month. It's finally winding down. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, John. It's an exciting time in the NFL. we got uh, the Super Bowl coming up in a couple of weeks. The Senior Bowl is happening this week. Draft season is already underway, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, it's there's a lot going on. And then, obviously, the – coach hires for the Jaguars hey it's it's always draft season that's what's so sad about it <laughs> <laughs> but no no I'm, it's definitely been wild and uh, honestly this is one of my favorite points in like the football calendar just you know this little like stretch uh, around the coaching cycle and you know when the draft process kind of begins and then we start with free agency it, I, I, I just love the NFL offseason at least the first half of it not the Everything after the draft can, you know, tie submit blocks to it and jump off into the ocean. But the first half of the offseason is fun. Yeah, 100%. It's always fun kind of doing speculation and stuff like that. Especially now that this season or this offseason, there's going to be a ton of uh, quarterback changes, it seems like. So, I live up to the NBA style free agency where just like everyone seems to switch teams. I think I saw Schefter said – he his over under for like teams changing quarterbacks was eighteen and he was going over. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, dude, that's ridiculous. Crap. Over and, half of the league. And the hilarious thing was for all the quarterbacks that were on that graphic he posted, even Alex Smith was on there. Gardner Minshew was not on there. Like, they, I was gonna the, say the NFL just stopped caring about Minshew mania completely. That that was made very evident to me. He's still pumping up those ads, though. I, I think he had one the other day. I don't even know what it was for, but did you see that mullet commercial that he was yes. in? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, get, 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 it, get it how you can. But I, I actually working. have an, an interesting Minshew uh, proposition I'll, I'm, I'm going to throw out to you for my uh, hot take later on. So let's, let's see how you feel about it. But okay. I mean, I, I, as of right now, you know, the big thing with the Jaguars, uh, the two big things is they're still – they still haven't announced their Urban Meyer's coaching staff. Uh, Meyer was the first coach hired, and I believe uh, obviously the Texans don't count because for some reason they're on like month four of their search and still haven't completed it. And so they don't have any coaches. But otherwise, I'm pretty sure the <laughs> are like the only team that's had a head coaching vacancy that like hasn't announced at least some staff hires. And I'm presuming that's because Meyer obviously uh, wants to announce them all at first. And he indicated uh, last week when they introduced the new general manager that they would go through it this week. So I'd expect it sooner than later. And then uh, of course, a new general manager last week, uh, kind of, it felt like the worst kept secret after Urban Meyer's to the Jaguars was that Trent Baalke would just be promoted from interim general manager to general manager, almost because, it kind of felt like, oh, hey, you're already here. <laughs> You've done the job before. It's, you know, kind of right place, right time. 
type thing for him. Uh, but he got introduced last week. Uh, Gus, just g- give me your initial reaction to Bulky uh, being promoted to general manager for, especially, I mean, considering this is Meyer's first time in the NFL, I, I know a lot of people are like trying to act like his hiring doesn't matter, saying he's a glorified scout. But uh, at least in my eyes, I don't think that's true at all. I, I think he's going to play a massive role in the organization. Yeah, 100%. They made it pretty clear in, like, the interviews. or not super clear. They didn't say it audibly. But, like, it's definitely going to be Urban's team and built the way that Urban would like it. But um, Balky's definitely going to have, I mean, that NFL experience to be able to manage cap situations and contracts and just everything else that goes on or on the league considering Urban hasn't been an NFL coach yet at any level. Um. But, yeah, I think the the immediate reaction was underwhelming because it was kind of easy to see since he was already in the building. But according to Niners Nation, which is the Niners SB Nation page, 50 per, 57% of all of Baki's draft picks with that franchise was were either released or retired. Um, so that's he didn't really have a great track record. He did help kind of build a team that was somewhat already put in place but got to the um, – Super Bowl with the Niners when Kaepernick was quarterback. But. When you look at when you look at his draft history, his first two drafts were terrific. I, I, right. I think he absolutely deserves credit for that. People always say like you know Scott McLaughlin or wh- whatever his name was that I, I remember he put on Twitter that their board was set when he got fired because Bulky was basically handed the draft like a month beforehand or whatever because that right. guy had been fired, but. I mean, you're still – even if the board said, you're still having to make the tough decisions and that. I mean, you look at a source of two drafts, and they found some great players. But then, like you said, just in terms of sustainable track record, uh, I'd say it honestly kind of looks like an average NFL general managers. You know, like I, I, yeah. I, I don't think – it has extreme highs and extreme lows. Um, I think he had more hits than Dave Caldwell in terms of important picks. But if you're talking about just in terms of – like hitting percentage, just like picks they got right, free agent signings they got right. They're probably around the same quality of uh, executive. Yeah, as you said, he kind of started off a little hot with the first couple of drafts. And then by the end of his reign or whatever, the Niners were one of the least talented teams in the league. So he was ultimately yeah. fired. Um, but yeah, so long story short, it makes sense. But it's still a little bit underwhelming. But I mean, as as you just said, like that's kind of the – resume of a lot of general managers and as we've said on the pod before like the draft is a crapshoot and like player evaluation is really really hard and so like the percentage of players that like make the pro bowl and stuff like that shouldn't really be taken like completely seriously like the bible or anything so yeah i don't know no and i think it's fine and and here's the thing when it comes to people judging like front office hires i i think it is an impossible to know like at least from the outside stance, you know, the media or even NFL fans, what most of these guys do. The only time you can really judge a front office candidate, in my opinion, is if he's a retread, you know, a guy like Balky, who we've seen in the general manager chair before, you know, like Brad Holmes with the Lions. I have no idea if he's going to be a good general manager or not. I mean, I know he worked for the Rams, but that's all I know about him. I have no idea about Balky. I know what he's done as a general manager and kind of what his capabilities are. So I think that's one reason it's caught a lot of flack. It's just because, like, when they hired Dave Caldwell, obviously it wasn't a good hire, but a lot of people were excited because what reasons did you have not to be excited? You know, there wasn't a history of kind of failing happening. Where, whereas with Bulky, there is a history, you know, of an already failed regime. And I, I, I think replacing that kind of 
uh, I, I don't want to call it misplaced optimism, but just optimism because you don't you're like it's just completely unknown with a guy who's kind of a known product. I think that's kind of caused a lot of people to be underwhelmed by it. And uh, I, I'd agree with you. I'd say it's an underwhelming hire considering they started the offseason with that. That's probably the top, top job on the market. Yeah. I mean, we were talking a while ago about how, like, the Jaguars GM job was, like, the most – um the one that people would want the most basically just because it's a clean slate and you have like your imagination can build a team however you want. But it turns out that wasn't exactly true because Urban is there now. And so it's going to be kind of built how he wants. And so with that said, it's not like you can't say, oh, I wish we'd gotten the guy that the Lions hired yeah. or that the Falcons hired just because like they're going to have a lot more control. So it makes more sense for them to go elsewhere. And so it's not like the Jaguars even could have hired best available or whatever you want to call it. And so I think Bucky's fine yeah. and we'll see what happens. But it's also seems almost likely that he's only going to be here for a year and maybe is certainly a scapegoat candidate <laughs> already. His contract's tied up to Myers. Oh, true. Well, yeah. contracts aren't real in the NFL. We know, <laughs> we know this. True that, true that. Well, only I, Jake I, Goffs. <laughs> true that. I'm, I'm glad I was on the right side of that opinion. The whole – you don't have to actually pay your bad quarterback just because you don't know who your next quarterback's going to be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Blake, Blake Bortles helped start that trend, and Jared Goff is the caboose on it because I, I just, <laughs> that contract makes zero sense. Yeah. And Baker but, Mayfield is going to be the final leg, I think. Oh, goodness. Goodness gracious. And see, I like Baker more than Goff or Bortles, but I don't like him as like, I, I, I don't think he's ever going to beat like, the Chiefs in a game that matters. You know, I, right. I, I barely know if they can beat the Bills in the game that matters. But uh, n- n- nonetheless, uh, I'm, I'm I'm with you. I I think people's expectations of the general manager hire really need to be shifted a lot when, once they hired uh, Meyer. So I, I'm, I'm with you entirely just because, I mean, all of the uh, appeal about the job in terms of the resources didn't change. But, you know, I, I wrote a column about it uh, last week that, you know, once Meyer got hired, this honestly became a less desirable spot for some general managers because right. it's clear that, you know, like you said, Meyer is going to have a lot of sway and a lot of power. And some general managers just want to work in the classic, you know, general manager does the personnel, head coach, coaches, players dynamic, you know. So I feel like that eliminated a lot of candidates. And then I, I'm also not sure really that the candidate pool was as impressive as people were hoping it'd be. You know, you have guys like Joe Horwitz and then uh, the Kansas City Chiefs front office executive and Jeff Ireland. They didn't even do interviews. Uh, I, I, I thought Terry Fondant was a really interesting guy. He ended up getting hired by the Falcons. But other than that, I mean, Brad Holmes obviously looks really interesting. But other than that, it just didn't seem like there were a ton of, like, big-name uh, guys on the move this offseason. Agreed. That's why it makes a ton of sense to keep kind of keep someone that's already been in, a, in the organization for a year now and has the relationship with Khan. But I mean, Khan said in the presser with um, Meyer from a couple of weeks ago that uh, he said, quote, we need to be a coach centric team and organization where the head coach really has to lead the kind of players he wants, the kind of team he we need to be as and the general manager and myself. We need have to res- we have to support that mission. So it, I think it's pretty clear who the team kind of runs through and who's going to be making the decisions. Yeah. I, I, and Bach I, is going to make it there for support. Not just for support, but, you know. I do I mean. too. Yeah. Like, I think his voice is going to 
definitely like matter a ton like for, for the people that in my opinion think that okay he's basically going to be a head scout and he's going to have zero sway at all i think his opinion is going to hold a lot of weight i i, I just it, it just definitely. seems that way it just seems that way from even how meyer spoke you know i mean meyer as much as shot said coach centric meyer it kind of seems like it's kind of backed up a little bit from that and has talked about like they said alignment i think like nine or ten times during that press conference so I think it's going to be more of a collaborative effort. I think Meyer's going to have the final answer, and they're going to be building in his vision. But I don't think people should discount Balky's influence. And maybe that's what should maybe concern people because, I mean, Balky's influence in San Francisco is kind of a big reason that team uh, went into the downward spiral. It did, you know. I mean, may, we'll probably never know exactly what happened with him and Jim Harbaugh. That's probably something only the two of them will know. But obviously something happened there. And if – I mean, Jim Harbaugh had like over six, like 0.600% winning percentage when he got fired. So if you're firing that coach, then obviously some issue happened. And I'm, it's not like Urban Meyer is some guy with a personality who's kind of, uh, I mean, I, I'd say his personality is honestly kind of similar to Harbaugh. You know, he's an intense guy. And I, I, I feel like, you know, he's a guy that, uh, he's going to work really hard to, you know, work with you. But I feel like he's not a guy that uh, it would take a lot to kind of, I don't know, take a lot to kind of muddy the waters, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then another piece of the puzzle is Tom Gable, who um, we're unsure of what his exact position is going to be because Urban hasn't like named any specific titles or anything like that yet. But apparently Tom Gable is already like in the building or whatever in has started working and yeah. so and gamble is like a former nfl exec who's spent like what 30 years scouting for various organizations so he's got a lot of experience and i'm sure his input will be important and, and he he's really experienced with college guys too so he was in philadelphia with chip kelly and then uh obviously he was in san francisco with Balky before that and then after that so he he's a guy with a a lot of experience it's, it's kind of funny he's been tied to chip kelly with two different teams but he's uh and it, it he, he actually interviewed with the jaguars in 2013 and be their general manager and then turned down a second interview request so it's funny that you know eight years later here he is you know finally in the building but um I, it really just felt to me like it i i think if bulky wasn't hired last year as their director of pro personnel i don't think he's hired as a general manager this year i think he basically got a year to basically impress uh, the cons and the franchise. And then I, I don't even think it's anything he did as the interim general manager. I think once they hired him, they saw him as a potential replacement for Caldwell probably then. And that's just me assuming. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I think that's fair. It'll be, I mean, the off season is going to be a lot of fun um, with hopefully a decent amount of new town and new players for the Jaguars. But one of the reasons it's going to be really interesting is just kind of seeing how it fits into Urban's vision for the team versus like other picks or players who maybe Balky would likes more. And I don't know, just see how that whole dynamic works will be a lot of fun to monitor. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I thought the one of the interesting things was when uh, they were asked about the number one overall pick. Myers said uh, him and Balky have talked about it, but that's going to be a deep dive or whatever, and then. Balky said uh, he agreed with what Meyer said a few weeks ago about it being one of the most important decisions of his life. But then Balky said there are, there's no such thing as an easy decision in the NFL. 
I'm gonna get. I'm gonna disagree with him on this one, Gus. How about you? I I, I think <laughs> the Jaguars taking Trevor Lawrence. I, while I agree that no decision in the NFL is probably technically easy, and you know they they should do the entire scouting process, watch all the top quarterbacks, do your entire you know month long process or whatever you got to do. But in terms of easy decisions in the NFL, I feel like this is probably the easy decision. No. Yeah, I mean, of the easy decision or of the decisions to choose them. I feel like, I mean, the thing with the NFL is that no decision is a sure thing. So, like, I kind of understand what you're saying there, but I, I don't know. I agree with you that, like, basically what you're trying to say and what I what I agree with is that the Jaguars are taking Trevor Lawrence yeah. first overall and nothing else is even going to be close to happening. Yeah, no, for sure. And a, a lot of people, I saw some website had a, this Urban Meyer quotes are worry like Jags fans about Trevor Lawrence because he was saying something like, we know there's a few elite players. And I, I, I just – I cannot fathom any scenario in my head that the Jaguars don't take Lawrence. And it's, it's 80% because of him on the field and where he's clearly the best player. And 20% because I think Shad Khan, you know, for all of his, you know, missteps as an owner, he's objectively a good businessman. And – not taking Lawrence probably be one of the worst business moves of his entire career. So I, I, I just don't see a scenario where Khan isn't mandating that Trevor Lawrence is his quarterback. Like, Hey, it's, it's urban. It's your team. And it's great. If you want to have control over all these other decisions, but Lawrence is the quarterback in the fall. I, yeah. that, that's how I, I, I really don't see any scenario where Lawrence isn't the pick personally. No, that's a really good point. Just because from like a pure football standpoint, if a team is offering five first round picks, then like maybe the work, odds work out that you take that offer, but like the business decision thing, and yeah. just Lawrence being kind of like the new face of Jacksonville and having them having a potential franchise quarterback for the first time ever really is huge, and they're not going to miss out on that. Uh, I, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that, Gus, because that's actually a, a article I'll, I was going to work on soon, and I I guess I'll kind of just flesh it out here. You look at the teams that have like benefited from teams trading up for quarterbacks, you know, like the Rams with RG3 and uh, the Browns with Wentz. I don't feel like either team got made better at all by uh, getting those picks. And I, I like, I, obviously it's because just because they didn't draft well, but I think it goes to show that just getting a boatload of picks does not at all equate to success. So I think if you're a team that has a quarterback, then that's a smart thing to do. But I think if you're a team that doesn't have a quarterback, I think the track record just says just take the just take the quarterback because those picks are just far from a sure thing and you can get something terrible like the Rams Hall where they only got like two legitimate players out of that entire RG three trip. Yeah, it's just the main argument um, is that like the draft is hard <laughs> and so like basically you want as many chances to succeed as possible. So that's why it's so smart for teams to like trade back in the third round to get like two fifths or something like that. It's just because you want as many attempts as possible. Um, but, yeah, with that said, for a, what seems to be a surefire prospect in Trevor Lawrence, it d- wouldn't really make a lot of sense, especially since, I mean, the point of trading back is to get more attempts because the draft is so hard. So it, it doesn't mean that those more attempts is going to turn into anything either. So it's a good plus, point. Plus, they, they already have 11 picks. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, they, <laughs> like they, they already had 12 last year, yeah. And I, I think those first five picks are the most important. I think they had the five in the first 65 selections, which I think only a few teams have had that. The, the Cleveland Browns a couple of years ago, like during the Sashi era, they had that. And it, I, I think those kind of drafts just go to show you that 
having the ammunition is extremely important. But like you said, it's a crapshoot. And having more chances increases, you know, your likelihood. But it doesn't guarantee anything. So at least in my mind, it goes, like, in terms of value, it goes, like, quarterback, then picks, and then, you know, probably every other position. You know, like, I'd like I'd rather get extra picks and take a defensive tackle number so- six overall quarterback then trade back than any other position yeah okay yeah, yeah. no I, at least, I, at least I, and I don't even mean that for the Jaguars I mean that for like like any NFL yeah team. I was gonna say like the same thing goes for the Jets they should take Trevor or they should they should take Justin Fields and if they don't take Fields then they should take Zach Wilson and if they don't take Zach Wilson or Lance or anyone else then trade back but if <laughs> what would be fantastic though is if they got like bookmark um tackles and Becton and uh see or what whoever that guy is from Oregon how ridiculous would that be wait you say bookmark tackles bookend bookend bookmark (laughs) as I was coming to my mouth I was like is that what the term is bookend tackles so the Jets I feel like it would be a Jets move to make but if they don't yeah. trade back or take a quarterback if they do get the both of those like ridiculous tackle prospects That'd be pretty sweet, even though it would be dumb. For sure. I'm just, Gus, just how, how different would this offseason be if the Jags had the number two pick instead of the number one pick? I, I, I think Bulky probably is still general manager, but I don't think Myers the head coach at all. Ooh. I mean, you, everyone would be so obsessed with like the Meyer Ohio State Fields ties, even though I, I, like, I don't think not actually. I don't tie. think he. I don't think he takes a job unless they have the number one pick. I really don't. Yeah, I think that's fair. Even like the build up after there was reports of Meyer taking that job, it took so long for them to actually announce it. Yeah. And all the everyone was like, Well, does Urban he's trying to decide if he actually wants a job or not and all that stuff. So I yeah. I would at first I disagreed, but I think you have a good point. Yeah, it's just it it's just crazy to think like what like that one Jets win, you know, I mean, for all we know, maybe the Jaguars hire Robert Saley, you know, instead of Meyer, then, you know, the Jets make a different hire. So it's right. just crazy, it's just crazy, you know, the kind of domino effect these kind of things have because Definitely. That, that, that's something I've been thinking. It's just like, and that's another reason why I think it's a lock that Jaguars take Lawrence is because Urban Meyer is their head coach. Urban Meyer has had plenty of opportunities to make the leap from college to the NFL before. You know, he said he's basically been hearing about it for a decade. There's a reason he did it now, and he did it because, uh, at least in my opinion, he did it because the Jaguars, you know, they have that they, – they'll be able to have that quarterback position figured out. You look at the failure of a lot of college to NFL head coaches and just a lot of head coaches in general, it's because they don't have the quarterback position, you know, figured out. Uh, Nick Saban in Miami, you know, they whiffed horribly on Dante Culpepper over Drew Brees. They got him fired. Jim Harbaugh, you know, while things were going well, was when Ka- Kaepernick and Alex Smith were at the top of their game. And then once things started to slip, they went 8-8, eight and eight and he got fired. Uh, Chip Kelly never figured out the quarterback position. Then you have Jimmy Johnson, who found his quarterback right away. So I, I think having a chance to pick Lawrence is the biggest reason that they were able to actually get Meyer in the boat. And I I, I think Bulky, at least from my perspective, is probably going to be the general manager either way. But I do think having Meyer there at least increases their chances for success because I'd rather – I think people would rather see a team kind of with Meyer's vision, with Balky's voice kind of assisting, than a team built with Balky's vision and kind of the head coach piping in. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, and I think Shad probably wanted like a coach-centric 
team regardless, honestly. Like, Meyer's definitely a strong candidate for that type of role. But it seemed like Shaw kind of wanted, like, the one guy in charge. I mean, he had, like, Coughlin being kind of, like, the head guy for those um, a couple years ago. And so, The head coach who isn't a coach. Yeah. (laughs) What a bad idea, man. (laughs) So, I agree that Balky still would have been the higher. I think they – there definitely would have been a higher probability of them going with someone else who maybe would have had their own kind of vision and have more leeway to do, to kind of build the team however they wanted. But yeah, it definitely seemed like the head coach dominant force or whatever yeah. you want to call it was kind of the way they're going to go. Yeah. I'm with Especially you. Especially to pair with a uh, number one overall p- quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, four years. it's just, I mean, it's, it's not often you can kind of get that head coach quarterback synergy like right exactly right like you know the best franchises uh, they, they always have it you know like like reed and mahomes are you know like entwined together you know uh um russell wilson when he was actually good with pete carroll you know I mean, like that, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff so it it i i think it's definitely the biggest reason but i i i just i can't shake the feeling that bulky was kind of shod's guy from from the jump and but I also don't think this was something that was likely forced on Meyer because just from everything that I've read and watched and listened to from Meyer as a coach, uh, you know, from his college days, he does not seem like the kind of person who would take a job if somebody was going to be forced on him, you know, like, so I, I, I don't think Balky gets hired as general manager. If Meyer doesn't say, okay, yeah, that works. I can work with this guy. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Like, I mean, it's Shaw's decision to make ultimately, but he definitely was getting input from Meyer. I think one thing that's interesting is how long they're actually talking because, like, they try to clear up in the interviews, like, oh, it's been, like, a couple of days or a couple of weeks. Like, Balky, I think, let it slip that they've been talking for several weeks. And then Urban, like, later in the interview was like, oh, yeah, it's been, like, about a week that we've been talking. So, I mean, yeah. I think Shaw's kind of had – a plan set for a while. And I mean, Tom, Tom Gamble, him saying that Tom Gamble is already working, it's clear that Balky was yeah. general manager before, you know, he, he actually was officially given the title in public. But and I, I thought it was interesting that Meyer kind of completely downplayed uh, the notion that him and Balky had any kind of prior relationship. Uh, he, he mentioned, of course, that he knew him. I think his exact phrase was like, I knew him, but I didn't know him, if that makes sense. Like, <laughs> because he, he had met him uh, – Walt Balky was a scout for the 49ers uh, because I think he was an area scout uh, for Myers uh, region when he was the head coach at Utah. And uh, so he, he knew him when they were scouting Alex Smith, but Meyer basically said that was about the extent of their relationship. And that was like, like 15, 16 years ago. So I know a lot of people put that connection together and kind of thought maybe they were a package deal, but I really don't think so because it, it seemed to me like, Meyer kind of almost went out of his way to be like, no, this is a partnership that kind of just started. Yeah, he definitely <laughs> was trying to play PR with that, but we'll see. Like anything else, you kind of have to obviously you can have takes and, I don't know, opinions or facts about like their past and stuff like that, but once it, until it actually happens, it's hard to say how good or bad the hires are right now. Yeah, true, true. And I, I I just I, I don't think like I said, I thought once Meyer was hired, nobody should be, you know, like going crazy because of a general manager hire because Meyer's influence is obviously gonna matter. But like I said, I also wouldn't downplay Balky's influence. Uh, I think taking a measured 
reaction to this. You know, it's kind of, okay, you know, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world, but it still has potential to backfire. It's kind of the best way to work at it. Yeah. Balky is going to have a powerful voice in the room, but it's not going to be the most powerful. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's a good way to put it. Want to make your own podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then lets you distribute it everywhere and anywhere, and even earn money right from it. And it's all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here is how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, no matter where you're at, you can start creating today. Well, I, I guess, you know, I kind of segues, you know, into our, our next topic, you know, as Balky is going to be filling out his front office staff, obviously, uh, the Jaguars <laughs> reportedly already, yeah, it's Sadie in the background. There's nothing I can do Hi, about Sadie. it. Yeah, y'all <laughs> going to live with it. Um, and Balky uh, is going to be putting together his front office staff. They last week reportedly already fired uh, or parted ways slash fired because that just means fired every time you see it uh fired uh john idzik who was the i think assistant general manager under dave caldwell and he basically did all the cap stuff but he wasn't just cap stuff like i was at the senior bowl last year and john john idzik was all over the field talking to players so it they're going to be reshaping the front office pretty significantly but they're also reshaping the coaching staff uh they they have yet to announce a single hire from Meyer's staff like we said beforehand but that doesn't mean there haven't been a ton of reports. You know, there's been names like Chris Ash and uh, Charlie Strong uh, tied to Urban Meyer. Uh, we haven't really seen much on the offensive side of the ball, but we have seen uh, reports on two coordinator hires, or well, actually three coordinator hires. Uh, you know, it's been reported, I think Aaron Wilson, the Houston Chronicle, reported yesterday that uh, Daryl Bevel signed a three-year contract with the Jaguars to be their offensive coordinator. Meanwhile, uh, former Baltimore Ravens defensive line coach Joe Cullen looks like he's uh, locked to be their defensive coordinator because the Ravens have already hired a new defensive line coach. So <laughs> just going to go ahead and assume that means that uh, Cullen's going from Baltimore to Jacksonville. So, uh, Gus, uh, Bevel and Cullen, I mean, two hires that I don't think people would have, you know, predicted right when Meyer got hired. Uh, what, 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 what are your early reactions to this? Um. For Colin, it's reserved optimism, I would say, just because he's um, – if you kind of like – he's never coordinated NFL defense, first of all. I think the last time he coordinated defense was like um, one year in Indiana in like 2004, and then before that he coordinated at Richmond for a couple of years. Um, so he's never been a defensive coordinator. And then when you kind of look at his past defenses since he started coaching the NFL in 2006, he's been a defensive line coach. Um, the entire time and he coached he was actually a former coach for the Jaguars and he also had stops with the Lions and the Browns and the Buccaneers um, and those were all fairly underwhelming stops with the Buccaneers they had a pro bowler and man who's the pro bowler for the Bucks? Gerald McCoy. Gerald McCoy and so that those defensive lines were pretty solid with a lot of help from McCoy but other than that it was pretty slow but then when he joined the Ravens in 2016 they did a lot of good stuff on the defensive line, especially the past year or two. And I think a lot of that has to do with Wink Martindale. And that's honestly like the biggest takeaway for me is like how much <laughs> knowledge can he absorb from Wink? Because Wink is like one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. And they've done a ton of cool stuff with like 
simulated pressures and getting a bunch of stunts on the D line and just blitzing like they've the Steelers or I'm sorry, the Ravens have led the league in blitz rate each of the past two or three seasons with Wink in charge. And so how much of it looks like Wink's defense um, is, will be interesting to me just because it's a really fun blitz heavy defense. And so I don't know if that's what's going to, what it's going to end up looking like or not. And then the other side, Bevel is um, a relief, I would say, just because the other interviewed options like Anthony Lynn and Scott Lanahan were a little underwhelming in my opinion. But the thing with Bevel's past is that he's been with a lot of um, – he's had basically Russell Wilson or terrible old quarterbacks throughout his coordinating career with a lot of defensive-minded head coaches. And so I think that's kind of influenced a lot of his – system so far and so it'll be interesting to see what it does under an offensive guy in Meyer and with Trevor Lawrence who has the arm to throw anyone on the field so I'm really yeah. excited about both long story short yeah no I'm, I'm I'm with you on both I think Colin like you said uh, you know it's probably best to be cautious just because it, it's a little surprising I will say his hire is only like marginally surprising just because he doesn't have any NFL coordinator experience and I feel like that was I, – I felt like that was going to be a must for Meyer. But my counterpoint would be if Meyer is comfortable enough with hiring him to be his first coordinator without him having coordinator experience, that probably means he came with, you know, terrific reviews from uh, Baltimore and all the other prior stops. And uh, one, one thing I always think is important when it comes to coaches getting hired is looking at how – uh, former players kind of react to it because th- there is nothing more honest in the world than a uh, like former NFL player. You know, he's no longer on the team. Politics no longer matter. He can just let that tweet fly. You know, we, we, we see it all the time with, you know, players like saying like, like I've seen, you know, Jaguars players come out like in recent years and talk about former players like, oh yeah, that guy sucked. But I mean, <laughs> when, when it comes to Colin, who was there for a few years, um, Austin Lane, Terrence Nine and Jeremy Mincy have all raved about the dude's uh, kind of, you know, just his ability to communicate with players and his overall knowledge of the game. So I think if you have three former players who not who maybe only a third of them finished with a good standing with the team, <laughs> like, you know, didn't, didn't leave with some animosity, but they're really excited about the hire. I think that probably says something. And yeah. then, uh, let me just add the one other thing is that they're going to have uh, reportedly Chris Ash and um, Charlie Strong on the defensive staff, both of them, both of whom are former um, court defensive coordinators for college teams. And so that experience will definitely help a lot, even though Colin himself hasn't been a coordinator at the oh, NFL yeah. level. Yeah, no, I guess, I guess none of them have been NFL defense coordinators, but they're still long story short, a ton of experience on that uh, staff. Not, not coordinators, but they, they've been around football for, you know, a, a long, long time. And they're yeah. three, three respected minds. So I'm with you. Uh, I'm, I'm interested, like you, like you said, to see what kind of scheme Colin brings, just because I have no idea what he's going to bring to the table. Uh, I don't think we're really going to know until we can kind of get a chance to talk to him. But I would imagine coming from Baltimore, he's going to bring some of, some of their staples. Uh, if, and to me, it's not even – I don't think the 3-4 or 4-3 four, distinctions even that important for the Jaguars. I think what's more important is basically, like, your principles of how aggressive you want to be on defense and if you want to be a reactionary defense or the one that kind of, you know, pushes the envelope and makes the offense adjust to them. Like like the Los Angeles Rams under Brandon Staley. Offenses had to adjust what they were doing to, you know, how the Rams are coming out to defend them. Meanwhile, the Jaguars, you know, under Gus Bradley and Todd Walsh, 
it was a complete other way around. Like, when did offenses ever have to adjust for the Jaguars' defensive scheme? Because they were seeing the same thing over and over and over again. You know, right. it was kind of it was kind of a okay, we're not going to throw anything crazy at you. We're just going to try to do this one thing really well. And never mind the fact that they they only did that one thing really well for like a span of thirty five games over eight years. But it it just I I think just bringing a kind of different vision to the defense from it, like a more aggressive vision and a more aggressive mindset, I, I think it's so much more important than arguing whether three, four, or four, three. Yeah. I think aggressive is definitely a good mindset to be in. And then, I mean, the thing with any coach is kind of putting your players in a good position to succeed and kind of molding around, like fitting your scheme to your players versus fitting your players to your scheme. Um, but with that being said, I think with the players that the Jaguars have right now, especially defensive ends, um, Caleb on Chason and Josh Allen, a 3-4 does kind of make more sense. And so that's another reason it'll be interesting to see the offseason moves is whether Colin like goes after or the Jaguars just in general go after like another man-headed cor- corner who can play opposite of C.J. Henderson or if they pri- prioritize like an explosive three-tech or kind of what their plan is and kind of how – because, I mean – Definitely there's so a few building blocks on the defense, 100%, but there's also kind of a decent amount of flexibility yeah. for how you can shape the yeah. rest of the roster. I was going to say, there's more, I feel like, holes that need to be filled than there are, like, players who are solidly in place for the future. Yeah, but yeah. the good thing about that is that it's not like you exactly. look at the stat or you look at the roster and you're like, oh, we only have, like, exactly. zero corners, so we have to yeah. build off that. Exactly. So. No, I'm, I'm with you completely. I, I, I really get the sense that they're about to buy a defense this offseason. Like, I I think that's where most of their money is going to go to in terms of free agency signings. I could see maybe, I could see maybe like one big offensive free agency signing, but I think they're going to pay at least three dudes on defense like significant money. Yeah, I think I'm hoping it's either like they get John Johnson or Marcus Williams at safety. I feel like John Johnson is like the yeah. Chris Bosh of the Rams big three, where he's just kind of the forgotten the forgotten guy. But John Johnson yeah. was really good for the Rams last year. And then Marcus Williams is a really good young uh, free safety for the Saints. And I just say both of those players because they're coming off of their rookie deals and they're pretty underrated by, I think, probably the public. And no, uh, yeah. they're they're both on teams that just don't have enough cap space to re-sign them. So they're almost definitely going to go to a new team. Yeah, no, I've, I've been pounding the table for John Johnson. I think he'd be – you know, he, he just at the end of the day, you know, you can talk about all the kind of things they need on defense. They need playmakers. You know, they need guys who can actually change how the game, the flow of the game, and that's kind of what John Johnson is. I mean, dude's a walking uh, play waiting to be made. You know I mean? He, he's a great tackler. He can play in the box. He can play deep. Uh, he's good against the pass. You know, he's good against the run. And, he, I mean, I, I, I've been a fan of his for years. So I, I definitely think he's a guy that needs a target. Other other than Leonard Williams, defensive line group's kind of not great. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson is, like, a good run guy. But I don't see many guys who are, like, in, impactful pass rushers in that group. Do you? No, not really. I think Larry Ogunjobi is pretty interesting. But he's not, like, I mean. I feel like he was better, like, two years ago. Yeah, he's solid, yeah. but he's not like a prize free agency. Exactly. Like so I, I, I think the secondary is where the I, I think one safety and one corner are gonna gonna get bags. Um, I think William Jackson honestly makes a lot of sense for them too. Uh, from from Cincinnati. Yeah, the corner. Yeah, I think corner yeah. will make a lot of sense. I mean, I'm I'm still hoping that J.C. Jackson uh, gets away from restricted free agency because I think he's another really awesome underrated player. 
but sure. he's a res- he's a restricted free agent for the Patriots, so I won't be won't be surprised if they retain him. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, I mean, so I'm, I'm, we're basically on the same page with Colin, where we both see the positives, but I mean, you have to add the caveat that he hasn't done this before, so you don't really know with what you're going to get. But I think Bevel's a home run hire. I I I I don't know if Meyer could have honestly done better for a coordinator hire than Bevel. Just because he has such a long record of working with young quarterbacks, you know, from Aaron Rodgers to Russell Wilson. Uh, I mean, he's he's he knows what the process looks like for a quarterback, you know, to really, you know, do everything the right way in terms of preparation for the game and then how to, you know, play to their strengths. And like you said, he's played under defensive minded coaches before. Like Pete Carroll, he were, he's been recycling through offense coordinators. So he can't be an easy coach to call plays for. And then Matt Patricia is I don't know if any coach has been more universally disliked and, you know, like more, there's been more celebration following their firings than when Patricia happened a, a couple months ago. So there's no way that could have been, you know, easy to call plays for. So I feel like this is probably going to be the best situation of, of his career just because he's going to have a coach who's one is offensive minded and two will likely let him open things up a bit. And I think just in terms of Lawrence, I think it's a really good fit. I really do just because, Lawrence has just how he wins as a passer. I think there are a lot of similarities to him and Stafford. And Bevel got the absolute best out of Stafford. And I I, I just feel like if they were going to get a guy who's a good fit for Lawrence, that Bevel was probably the best that they could do. I, I thought Scott Lindyhan. I would have understood it just because of his track record, but I think it would have been wasting the number one overall pick's talents. But I, I don't think that would Bevel. Yeah. And one thing to add, I agree with all that. and. Like Colin, there's been like players that have said great things about Bevel. Like uh, Doug Baldwin played under Bevel for a dec- for a few years in Seattle, and he said really good things about him. And I think there's been a few Detroit players, yeah, yeah. Marvin Jones, I think. Yeah, have said good things about Bevel as well. So that's another good thing. But my I got two hot takes. Is and one is that Bevel will be a head coach in two years, just because I think this will be like the climax for him of being able to kind of showcase what his scheme is and like have the talent available to show it kind of just because Lawrence is coming in. And as I've said before, and I'm still on this, I think the Jags are one like starting receiver away from having an ideal receiver room. Um, so yeah, I think Bevel is going to get a coaching job in two seasons is my prediction. And then the other is that the Jaguars lead the league in deep pass attempts next season just because I just think they're going to chuck it. I do too. I, I, I think they're going to add, like, at least one guy that runs a 4-3 and they're going to throw the ball all, all over the place. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm kind of in the – I would like to see them get, like, a Galladay or Chris Godwin or Allen Robinson type. Just <laughs> so a really good, a really good player. But yeah, I'm they, they, like a, they, need, they need a guy like Allen Robinson. Go get Allen yeah. Robinson. <laughs> Like, with that being said, like, a true do-it-all alpha receiver would be awesome. But I agree with you that I think if that doesn't happen, then there are pretty – there's a pretty good chance they add, like, a 4-3 guy um, to kind of do a bunch of gadget plays, but to, like, open up the field. Not that Chenault is going to be using a lot of schemed plays. Yeah. But I think they're going to want, like, a faster guy for, like, speed options and jet sweeps and that kind of thing. Too. Different style. You know, I mean, Myers right. always had that kind of player, whether, you know, Percy at Florida or – Curtis Samuel at Ohio State, 
if okay, I, I got two hot decks now. Um, here's my <laughs> if the Jaguars do not sign Curtis Samuel in free agency, which I think is a legitimate possibility. Yeah, I think Kadarius Tony and Rondell Moore are legitimate, if not likely, options at pick number twenty-five overall. Yeah, I think that's a good take. I think more people are going to come around to that too. Honestly, just yeah, because... and like, and people like like are going to be be like, no, we have Shark and Chenault, Colin Johnson. I mean, you don't see the Chiefs and Buccaneers saying we have enough weapons. You know, they just right, they right. keep building around the quarterback, and it, it's just you're much better off giving Lawrence more weapons than you are like you know finding you know that that three technique that you need you know yeah and even like a running back even if they get like someone like i don't know whoever this year's antonio gibson is going to be when they can like they're kind of sort of receiver at the same time just because even though the jaguars do have robinson and that's kind of running back is a position that doesn't need to be filled i suddenly wouldn't be surprised to see um meyer want kind of another running back just because i think i think it's still need yeah, and they're going to be, like, a little bit more run-heavy than I think people will expect. Like, I don't think they're going to be, like, top three in pass rate and stuff like that. But I think it will mostly just be, like, I don't know, a lot of zone runs and then deep shots. I was going to say, they, my, my, my teams love to run the ball and a lot of play action. So, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can see that. I, at first, I thought you were going to say take a running back at number 25. <laughs> I was like – No. Like, yes, that was an interesting – that would have been an interesting pivot, but I, I see what you mean now. <laughs> if James Robinson was signed by a different team in undrafted free agency, then I would honestly expect that to happen. But fortunately with him, the Jaguars probably won't. Yeah, waste resources on a on a running back that high. Yeah, no, I'm 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 with you, and okay, I I guess uh and yeah, I, I agree with you. Like my main thing is I don't I think people are gonna all off season be skeptical of the Jaguars adding you know a, a receiver so early, but I I'm almost getting to the point where I'd be surprised if the Jaguars don't pick a receiver with at least one of you know those picks that are you know, number 25 or one of those two picks in the second round. Yeah. I mean, if they don't – if the Jaguars don't come around or come out of the draft with a receiver at all, then I'll be shocked because I feel like they're almost definitely going to, at the very least, take a receiver too, like with their later picks. But, yeah, yeah, I, th- I agree with you. I think that receiver is a much stronger possibility than a lot of people believe at yeah. this point. Okay. And then all right, my second hot take. Are you ready? Yeah. My second hot take is – if the Jaguars are going to make any trade this offseason, it should be straight up Gardner Minshew or Alex Smith. No. I disagree. No? Yeah. <laughs> why why would you want Alex? Or I guess – okay. All right, I don't hate it. I have to think about he's it not, for a second. He's not starting a quarterback. He is for the Washington football team. Not, not okay. Not not in Jacksonville. Like Alex Smith wouldn't be starting at quarterback. He'd he'd obviously Correct. be a, a backup for Lawrence. But I, I feel like he'd be that perfect kind of like Josh McCown type, where he's your backup and he's a player, but he's basically like an, an extra coach on the staff. And just I mean, his relationship with Meyer is super tight, and Meyer right. is always. And I, it, it seems like he's gonna. At least to me, it's kind of obvious that he's going to be a coach eventually. So, I think kind of getting him in there as the veteran backup because I, I think they need a veteran backup for Lawrence. I think it would just do a lot better than having like Minshew as the backup. And then, I mean, then I mean, it, if you get a good backup 
out of Minshew, who you spent a six-round pick on, I think that's a winning proposition. No, I agree. I actually, I did a full 180. I like the take now. It's just when he first said Alex Smith, I just thought of like his entire leg being like just wrapped in a cast. Oh, but no, no, now, yeah, no, no. If, if it was up to me, he wouldn't be anywhere near a football field. But <laughs> that is, that is, that, that, that is the path he has chosen. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's a good take. I think he'd definitely be a bigger slash better influence behind I, Lawrence than Mitchell I think both, I think, I think both teams would win there because, I mean, Washington needs to figure out something at the quarterback position. I mean, why not continue to take it? I mean, if you're going to take a flyer on a guy, I think it makes more sense to take a flyer on Minshew than it does, like, Kyle Allen or something like that. Yeah, and the other reason that makes sense is because the Jaguars have another six-round quarterback who they can kind of have as their, like, project or whatever, and Jake Luton, who was certainly underwhelming, to say the least, as he – what was it? <laughs> was it four interceptions in the Pittsburgh game? Yeah, it was. So, I honestly, like, kind of like Loon, not to say that he should be a starter or anything, but I just think he has a little bit more raw talent than people might think. So, I agree. He, I mean, he, he was put into – I mean, he he was put into a bad situation. I mean, he, he yeah. never should have played as a rookie. It kind of it kind of just happened. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, he's not good, but he's also not nearly as, like, awful as a lot of people probably think just from watching no. him. So, yeah, I like that. Okay. Okay. The one well, other I'm, thing about you, you, your face at first, I I can't get over it. You you look like you you were disgusted with me for even mentioning it. <laughs> I mean, no, it makes it makes a lot of sense from like a, a football operations perspective, but like I was just initially thinking of it from a pure football on the field perspective, and I was disgusted. But the one other thing I want to add before I forget is that Urban said in his first presser that he'll not be calling the plays. Yeah. And so obviously, it'll be it's to be determined exactly what the offense is going to look like, but we should expect it to look more like Bevel's past offenses, and perhaps with like some like wrinkles or at least inspiration or say from Meyer would be my guess. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that, and I think another big thing with Meyer that people probably don't already recognizes how much influence he's going to have over special teams. You know, I mean, he's he's a major special teams guy. I think at one of his last years at Florida, I think they didn't even have a special teams coach because, I mean, he was basically running the unit. And, I mean, he said at his introductory press conference that he's more involved with offense and special teams. So, I, I, I think the Jaguars, for all the people that were worried about Joe DeCamillis leaving, I think, I think Meyer will offset that. So, all right, well, Gus, before we go, give me – one player on offense and defense who you think will benefit the most from Bevel and Colin being hired? Um, for defense, I'll say Josh Allen, just because I think Colin slash Wink um, did a really good job of kind of putting players in one-on-one situations and creating mismatches in, like, pass protection. And the biggest beneficiary of that in the past two years has been Matthew Judon, who's a, def- certainly a good player, but he might not be as great of a player as, like, his statistics – um, assume or say that they are and so I think that they're going to do a really good job of like kind of moving Allen around a little bit and designating mismatches for him to kind of take advantage of running backs and tight ends and just making it a Josh Allen friendly defense so I think like before the season I said that Josh Allen under sacks would be a smart prop bet to take just because he kind of overperformed a little bit his rookie year and now I think in his third year he's definitely going to get the over in sacks I would say, and then for offense, just 
probably DJ Chark, just because as we said, they're going to chuck it. And I think there's going to be a lot of deep attempts. And so I think Chark is going to be the beneficiary of a lot of things this offseason and mostly Trevor Lawrence. But I think that Bevel is going to do a good job of make, kind of tailoring it to him at the same time. And he's going to have a, definitely a comeback here, in my opinion. I, I, I think Caleb on Jason is honestly – I feel like he can benefit even more from Colin than Josh Allen can. Just because I, I feel like Allen can kind of, you know, kind of win on his own regardless of, you know, who really the scheme is or who the coordinator is. Obviously, he can benefit a ton from a new scheme. But I feel like Chase on especially going from being kind of, a, okay, you're rushing from this defensive end position in a three-point stance every play to kind of being moved around. I mean, I feel like some of his best plays were plays where he was asked to kind of stunt or slant inside. So I feel like he, like just a scheme that asks him to move around more post-snap and pre-snap will benefit him. And then offense, yeah, I, I, think DJ, I think DJ Chark is probably the right choice. I really do, just because I think he's going to get those deep shots that, you know, we, we saw Bevel use uh, Kenny Galladay or Golden Tate back in the day for. So I, I'm with you. I think so. My, my two picks would be Chark and Chase Song, coincidentally, two LSU guys. Yeah, and then I'll, I would say the runner-up for offense would probably be James Robinson, in my opinion, just because, as you said, I think Urban's – or just the offense is going to be a little bit more run-heavy than people might assume. Um, and as of now, James Robinson's going to be the main beneficiary of that. And maybe they add a gadget receiver or another, a scat back or whatever in the offseason. But as of now, James Robinson is set to be, like, a major workhorse like he was last year. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised if Robinson doesn't make at least one Pro Bowl under Meyer, honestly. Just, I mean, because Meyer's always had a workhorse running back, you know, I mean, especially at Ohio State. And I, I feel like he's going to love Robinson as a player. So I, I'm with you there. Well, uh, that, 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 that was, that was uh, all uh, we had for a day. Uh, gave you the terrific hot takes already. Uh, so, Gus, is there anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Um, I will say, I, Another hot take I have is that Zach Wilson is going to be the second quarterback drafted in the draft. Yeah, I agree with you. We're, so, we're, we're seeing a lot of uh, Justin Fields like ranked as like the number four quarterback or whatever by yeah, and it's by, like by, January. By people that would know. Yeah, usually that happens in like early April. I feel like. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm with you. I feel like if the Jets don't take Fields, I feel like he's going to be like a line or something like that. That would be unfortunate. <laughs> God. What did they do to you? <laughs> did you see that interview? He's going to get his kneecaps yeah. bitten off or something. His kneecaps won't be bitten off. The other team's kneecaps will be. His kneecaps will be, his kneecaps will be pristine. I guess so. We'll see. <laughs> I feel like Carolina would be fun. but No, no. I, I agree with you there. But what do you mean? Carolina's going to draft Mac Jones because they're coaching him in the senior bowl or Something stupid like that. That's what, <laughs> that's what Twitter tells me. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, th- thank you guys for listening again. Uh, by by the time we're back uh, next week, we'll probably you know have uh, an entire coaching staff uh, announced, so we can go ahead and go through that. And you know we're obviously going to be inching closer to free agency, so we'll we'll be hitting some of that as well. So, thank you for listening. As always, you can find me at underscore John underscore Shipley. You can find uh, Jaguar Report at Jaguar Report or si.com slash NFL slash Jaguars. Gus, go ahead and give me your at. I'm at Gus underscore Logue on Twitter. I just posted a really long thread. I think it was like 25 tweets 
of a bunch of plays that Urban ran with Curse Samuel and LaVisca Shadon, or not LaVisca, of Curse Samuel and Percy Harvin in college and what it could mean for yes. Shadon. So go check that out. Well, th- thank you guys again, as always, and until next time.